Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is decorated horsewoman Ariana Sakaris. Ariana has traveled the world in her pursuit of a greater horsemanship education. And through her experience, she has created her own approach to developing a greater level of awareness and deeper relationship with your horse. We are excited to see the release of her online course that is nearly 18 months in the making. Throughout this episode, we discuss some of the challenges faced in creating such valuable content. For more information on Ariana and her online course, visit arianasakaris.com. That's A-R-I-A-N-A-S-A-K-A-R-I-S dot com. You can also find her on Facebook under Ariana Sakaris Equine Development and on Instagram under Ariana Sakaris. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep y'all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with accomplished horsewoman, Ariana Sakaris. Um, this past year and a half, roughly, I've been working on an online course, and um, it's all about the human influence and the work that we do with horses, all about ourselves, everything down to our energy, our intentions. Um, all about us as the human communicating with the horse and then also about groundwork with our horses. Um, how do we use our tools? What are we looking for in our groundwork? And then, you know, different groundwork exercises, things to help our horse cope with stress and stuff like that. Um, but I'd say that a lot of my time has been uh, very consumed with working on that and learning uh, how to make the highest value of content that will best serve people and horses uh, worldwide. So this year um, I'm continuing to work on making that available to people and evolving it once it's out there, evolving it and developing it into um, whatever it turns into. And I'll just kind of, uh, once it's out there, just go with the flow of, of what people are uh, looking for more of, what do they need help with, what would they like more clarification on, and also uh, planning to film a lot of raw, unedited ses training sessions uh, with with all the horses that I'm going to work with this year so that we have a lot of uh, footage for people to see how does it really go in real time. I think um, it's incredible that you've produced and have worked on this project because that was kind of one of my goals or one of the things that drove me in my pursuit of horsemanship, right? Is it when you first start to – and this is no knock to anybody else that has produced video content or DVDs or whatever, right? But everybody wants to show perfect life with the horse. And to get to perfect life, there's some ugly stuff that happens, right? You talk about the raw footage. And my biggest thing is that how do we raise awareness in the human being? Because there's communication that takes place. And every single day that I ride, it takes place. And I miss things that the horse is, is indicating to me, Right. As I go farther and farther in my journey, though, right, that awareness starts to develop. I'm able to pick up more of what the horse is conveying. Obviously, I can respond appropriately. I'm more aware of my emotional state, what I'm projecting in the horse, you know. So for you to take that leap and put out that raw footage and really place an emphasis on awareness, uh, it's it's something that I think the horse industry is in desperate need of. Yeah, yeah. We've got um, – currently, in the course, there's – a. We have three days um, following a, a weanling, an eight-month-old weanling. Uh, as I teach him a little bit how to cope with stress, how to cope with uh, things around him, how to build his confidence, build his trust. And it was really, I felt so good about putting in day one, day two, day three, raw footage and just putting a voiceover over so that people know yeah. my perspective yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. But it really it really felt good to put out that raw footage Um because I think that that's what happens anyway. It's everything happens in real time and in raw form anyway. So I, it felt, just felt good to me to put that out there. Cause like you said, um, it's not something that we're, we all really are accustomed to doing. And for me doing things online, um, making videos and stuff, it's not really like first nature to me. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I'm naturally a more quiet person. I'm more reserved, introverted, um, 
I have a hard time talking about myself and making videos. So, but take, I think what I really want to do is help people. So I think doing some of those unedited videos are very helpful to people. And I want to bring them kind of into my world as though they were kind of standing next to me or standing on the sidelines, part of the video as if they were there. That's going to be an exciting project once it's all wrapped up and and available to the public, because the emphasis on the process is really where I think where you're, your consumers and your clients are really going to take off and really get the value out of because it's one thing to tell somebody how to do something, right? But for them to actually see the process and see the progression and see where you start, see where you finish and see the physical presentation of the horse. I mean, that's a huge, huge learning opportunity for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm hoping to take it that direction. Um, but you know, one step at a time. Oh yeah. Baby steps. <laughs> one step at a step. Yeah. Baby steps. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So let's give listeners a little bit of, uh, your history to, to kind of prove context and where you fit. Uh, we were talking a little bit off air. Uh, I travel a little bit to pursue my education and I say a little bit because for folks like yourself, you travel on a far more grand scale and have traveled internationally in your pursuit of, of horses. So let's start with some of the, the first influential moments of your life with the horse and, and where you went and how you traveled to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. So I was first introduced to horses. I was five years old. My family and I were living in Greece at the time. And my mom used to go out to a farm and she used to lease a horse and she had friends that had horses out there. And so she'd let me tag along with her. And so from the age of five years old, I remember just being fascinated by them and, um, you know, wanting to learn how to groom, how to ride, um, being interested in all the different horses and personalities of horses at the, at the farm there. And I think that for me in my memory, you know, the one moment that stuck out to me that I knew I was captivated for forever. I mean, as a five-year-old, you don't know, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But you know that you're hooked emotionally on some level is um, I kept my first canter, the first time I cantered. And I remember, you know, of course, being little, I'm like, I'll be fine. I can do it. There's no problems. Nothing's going to go wrong. And uh, I remember kind of having to not fight with my mom and a friend about it, but just kind of keep reminding them that I wanted to canter. And anyway, Mm so... I remember they set set us up, set me up on a horse on a trail, um, and they walked way ahead. And they told me, you know, how to position my legs and how to do this and that. And so I remember, and I remember like the really cool vulnerability of asking that horse to canter, and I didn't know what a canter was or what it would feel like. And yeah. I remember stepping into it, and I thought, I was like, this is the coolest thing I'm I've here. ever ever experienced. <laughs> yeah, and we cantered. I mean, it felt like a really long straight line on a path, you know, pine trees on the sides, really beautiful dirt path and the trails in Greece. Um, but I, after that, I was like, I just couldn't wipe a smile off my face. And um, I was definitely from that moment, even more hooked than I thought than I was prior to that canter. So from there, you know, <clears throat> took some lessons and stuff. Actually, you know, after my first fall, I kind of, my confidence was a little bit shook and it took me a while to get back on. And um, anyways, then we moved, uh, back to the U S and I, uh, took lessons at a local riding school, um, that had really good instruction because it, and I'm not talking instruction really about the horse and the riding itself, but more about the holistic approach of like looking at everything, the barn, the care for the facility, the health of the horses, um, the care of the tack learning about the different horses, personalities, who they are, making sure they had water and food, all that, you know, all this, the stuff. So it wasn't just show up and ride. It was, it was, you know, your horse drinks and eats and then you go get food and water, you know, Correct, so yes. really kind of in, instilling that in us. Um, and I, and that was a, it was a beautiful way for me to form friendship, friendships with people um, that also had the same love of the horse that I did. And I remember a certain point I thought, I really want to learn more. Like I started taking interest in the technical side of things. And I really, you know, I'd been seeing videos and images of people, you know, accomplished riders. And I thought I really want to learn more. And I kind of knew that I wouldn't necessarily get that level of instruction there. Um, So I wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone basically and learn more. I didn't know how, I didn't know from who, but I, I knew I wanted more. So 
at the end of one of our riding lessons, I pulled my instructor to the side and I, and I was so nervous because I thought, my gosh, I don't want to hurt her feelings. But I just said, I really would like to learn more. Is there anyone that I could maybe um, learn from that you know of that could help me? And she was so open to it. She was thrilled that I asked her and that I trusted her to ask her. Um, and so she suggested um, that I uh, go on and I ended up then going for, it was almost about eight years off and on learning from a, um, a Russian master of sport and dressage and, and jumping. And um, he had coached uh, one of the Olympic teams as well. And so it that was a huge jump going from local riding school to now um, someone that's really going to, to help me a lot. And so I was with him for, for a while. And then, you know, I got to the point where I learned a lot from him, a whole lot from him, um, a lot about how to stay quiet, stay balanced, leave the horse alone. He was huge on releasing and leaving the horse alone and quieting yourself down. And that was all so helpful to me. But again, I felt, okay, now I got to go to the next step. And I started really, really questioning, how does my horse feel about me at the end of a ride? Do they want to be with me? If I were to take the saddle and bridle off, would they follow me Would or would they walk away? And that question started to kind of eat away at me to the point where I then jumped and decided to go overseas to try and learn more. And um, the way that I got to go to France was I signed up to teach English abroad. So I, I got signed up to teach 12 hours a week in a school, elementary school. And then I had the rest of the week off. Um, sometimes we only worked Mondays and Tuesdays or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. And then we'd have the rest of the week off. And so, so that's about the easiest horse-related work schedule I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of got to France uh, through a roundabout way. But I, but once I was there, I thought, all right, now is my chance, you know. So I went to my first horse expo in France. And by myself, I took like a nine-hour train ride by myself. I stayed in a little hostel, um, got my little ticket, went all by myself <laughs> through the expo. And I thought, um, you know, it's now or never. So anyways, I went and that is where I met someone that influenced everything that I do. And that's uh, Jean-Francois Pignon. And I met him. I walked by, um, so I'm telling this long story, but it's important. Um, That's why we're here. You're doing well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was walking down, you know, the vendor area where they have the booths of all the trainers and stuff. And I walked by this one guy and he had a video behind him of him working all these horses at Liberty. And I thought, wow, that's really beautiful. You know, I want to learn how to do that. Um, and there were like 30 people in line waiting to talk to him. So I said, that's ah, okay. I don't need, you know, I'd, I'd be waiting a while. So I kept walking around and I was looking at like saddles and bridles. I thought, what are you doing, Ariana? Like get back in line. You don't want to look at this stuff. Go back in line. So I got back in line and I waited. Um, and I forgot to mention that when I passed him the first time, I heard an older gentleman uh, ask him, oh, how do you reward your horses? And I heard the question, but I never heard the answer. And so I thought I need to ask that question again. And so I got in line. I waited my turn. I got up there and I was like all nervous because, you know, it's French and uh, French is not my first language at all. But I asked him, I said, there was someone here before that asked you how you reward your horses. And I just want to know what, how do you reward them? You know, I didn't have a clue like how he got his horses to do that. So his answer, he just said, my calm and my calm in French, the words my calm translates into English as my relaxation. Um, and he said that. And I, I was like, what? And I asked him again. And he said it again. And he said, I have a clinic coming up at my house. Um, if you'd like to sign up, we just opened it up. We do it once a year. He does one clinic a year at his home, home farm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he said, we just opened it up, but you know, um, if you want to leave a deposit, but he said, that's the only way we can secure your spot. And I thought, my gosh, I have almost no money at this point, but I left him a check and I, and I, and I walked away and fast forward. I go to the clinic and it was like the best clinic I've ever been to. It was so good. I was just blown away at what he was sharing and teaching people. I had never had anybody go with me that deep into things, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that changed everything for me. Um, so anyways, then I stayed over there and I, in France and, um, I really pursued my riding a lot. Uh, I worked with a classical riding, uh, trainer. I, down in another part of France and I would go there all the time and take lessons and 
learn from his own schoolmasters and other horses he had and then ended up learning from another uh, classical dressage trainer, both very, very accomplished and very wonderful teachers. Um, very, I feel very lucky to have had them um, dedicate themselves to teaching me and being open to me even showing up to do that, you know? Yeah. So, so I guess the mix of the liberty and the, and the riding aspect while I was in France um, kind of just took me a whole level deeper in horsemanship and my learning, but also gave me a whole list of other questions I wanted to learn, you know? Um, then I came back to the U.S. and, and spent two years with uh, Kim and Yvonne Bartow at KYB Dressage where I learned a, a whole lot more about riding and young horse development and problem solving and things like that. So that that's kind of a long version, but uh, each, each step I got to once I kind of got there, I then, you know, wanted to move on to the next step, but pretty much anybody that I saw that was doing good work with horses that in my gut, I felt was doing good work with horses. I just wanted to learn from them, even if it was, just being able to talk and exchange ideas or whether that meant actually going physically watching them or, or being able to do something with them, you know? I think it's incredible in going back through your testimony. I mean, the moment at five years old, when you step off into that canter by yourself, what a defining moment. And, and here's how I received that message, right? Here you are a five-year-old child riding a horse outside, right? And you want to step off and in, into this canter something you've never done before. You have no idea what it feels like. You have no idea what the result's going to be, right? But you have the determination, you have the will, you have the faith in the process. And sure enough, you push that horse up into a canter. And that moment literally defines the path and the pursuit that you take in the rest of your life. Because so much of your testimony has just been that, right? You don't know what's going to come of anything, but you know you're hungry for it, but you know you want to try it. And to have that faith and to have that courage of pursuing, stepping off, taking on a challenge where you have no idea what the result is going to be or what it's going to furnish, but to do it all in the pursuit of trusting your gut. I mean, it's it's absolutely most commendable. And, and it's only a lesson that I've learned recently in my pursuit with horses, right? Is it, there is a world out there that doesn't, that I don't know exists at this time, but I know I need to get there. So what do I do, Right. It's it's a hard question to ask. It's more rhetorical in nature, but sometimes we right. as human beings need to get out of the way of our limiting beliefs and really focus on the process. And if you want it, go get it. Go get it. It's going to take sacrifice and there's going to be unknowns and there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs. But if you absolutely. want it, go get it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I still... Uh, have my own limiting beliefs that I'm that I'm working through and you know sometimes I'm more brave than others for sure but I think you know yeah going back to when you're five like you just have full trust that it's gonna work out and I mean I didn't if I knew what I know now just having been with horses long you know I didn't know that that maybe that canter could turn into something else or maybe you know I had no idea but um I just yeah, that trust. I, and I think that's even a good reminder. Even you restating it like that is a good reminder to me to carry that forward yeah, today. Yeah. And I recently had a great conversation with a mentor of mine. And you want to talk about limiting beliefs, right? So we had this conversation about asking for help. And I know many times in your statement, right, you saw these people that were incredible riders or incredible horsemen, and you just, you had the courage to ask for the help. Well, I necessarily haven't always had that approach, right? Because the way I see things in the, I guess you could call it the social hierarchy of horsemen. It's like, who am I, uh, this lowly little horseman, who am I to go up and approach this world champion or this world renowned horseman or somebody who's decorated many times over with, with different awards in the horse world? Who am I to go ask them for their time, which is probably the most sacred thing in this world, uh, to help me out. And this mentor, shared an incredible experience and he said, you know, at some time, at some point in our lives as, as individuals, and this isn't specific to the horse world, right? At some point we've acquired enough experience and we will get joy in returning the favor and helping the next generation come up behind us. Right. And yeah, it's incredible to have that perspective. I see it as him being the mentor and it's almost a two-way street for everybody. Here you have on the low end of the spectrum, you have the up-and-coming education, the, the individuals that are hungry for it, right, that want to better themselves. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have all this experience. And if that legacy is not shared, 
then all of that experience is just going to fall off, right? With the passing of these individuals. So I think it's exactly. great because it, it one end, we who are interested in the education and are hungry for it, we're getting fed. But in the same regard, these people with experience, they want to share it. They want to prove value of the lifetime of their education. And it's incredible that you've pursued such in-depth education of horsemanship from such world-renowned horsemen throughout your career. It's incredible. Yeah, and I, I still, you know, um, the whole story of my Mustang that I got, um, that was a huge time for me, too, to reach out to one of my uh, very good friends, um, but wonderful, wonderful horse trainers. Um, and he really helped me a lot. And, like, uh, that was the best decision I ever made was to ask for his help. Best decision I ever made. Um, when it came to working with my Mustang, who I had hit a roadblock with. So, um, you know, and then going back to what you were saying about um, sharing, sharing with the world, you know, uh, about a year ago, or maybe maybe a little more, um, I came across. um, So this one of my mentors in um, uh, business in anyways, he had put out a video and the video had said something like, you know, where do most of the inventions or where do some of the inventions and some of the uh, cures for things or the not the most amount of knowledge, like where does it lie? And, you know, watching that video, I was thinking, well, it lies inside of ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, he said uh, it lives in the graveyards of people that never shared, you know. Yeah. And that really shook me up. I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought, wow, like, okay there's something to be said there. You know, I, I need to, to share in some manner. And also what you said, let other people share with me by asking for their help, you know, but we don't want to take, take what we know and take our abilities down with us. We want to use them while we're here. Yeah. And it's funny because I think about it oftentimes in the horse world, right? Everybody's out to prove what they know. And when you really get down to the brass tacks, a lot of people that are conveying that image really maybe have an inflated opinion of themselves I wonder where this industry would be is if we took the pursuit or we took the position of proving what we didn't know, you know, you and I are working in horsemanship and I tell you, Hey, I'm struggling with this. What do you got? Right. And you say, well, in my experience, I've done A, B and C. And then maybe you return in a different conversation. Um, Right. And if we just step back and, and kind of remove some of the ego in it, it'd be incredible to find out where this industry really went. Cause there's, and this show is a testament of it. I mean, there are incredible people all over this world who have vast knowledge of horsemanship, who have never even heard of each other. Right. And so that's kind of what, what this show is founded on, is how do we develop that community of people that are willing to help? And where I take pride in this is I get messages all all the time from previous guests or listeners. And, hey, this guest struck a chord with me in this conversation, and we've since had conversation to further develop that point, you know. So t- to make those introductions and kind of share the horse on a global scale is just – for me, that's where that's where the pride lays in in doing I, the show. Yeah, I love what you're doing with the show. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's created an yeah. incredible opportunity for a lot of people, not only myself. Yeah, absolutely. So let's. I, I want to talk about your experience with the Mustang because that that horse posed a little bit of a challenge to you, right? And yes. maybe knocks you off your block a little bit, and it took some soul searching, but. Through that fight, through that process, you've created an incredible relationship with this animal. Oh, yeah. I mean, so uh, I could probably go on for hours about this horse. <laughs> so I'll keep it, I'll keep it uh, <laughs> to the version that will be the most helpful in short. But I really, I mean, I, I love this horse so much now that I don't even think I could put it into words. So anyways, that being said, uh, so... I decided to do the Mustang makeover um, in Lexington in 2017 and um, I got a Mustang and um, I uh, started trying to work with her and, you know, it was going okay. Um, And anyways, I fast forward, I ended up, you know, my first ride on her and I took a huge fall, huge. And um, that was probably the biggest fall that I've had on a horse and, um, you know, I didn't realize, you know, after the fall, I stood up and I was not mentally shook or physically shook. I was fine. But I didn't realize that that moment was going to seep into everything I did after that. 
Interesting. I didn't really know. I didn't know that in the moment that yeah. now I'm afraid. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't say now I'm afraid because I didn't feel it in the moment. I thought, wow, I'm glad I survived that. I'm glad the horse is okay. I'm okay. And it didn't really, it didn't really mentally, I didn't think much more of it, to be honest. You know, anytime you stand up after a fall and you're fine, you're like, well, that's good, you know, so mm-hmm. you don't, mm-hmm. but, um, once I started working with her a little more, you know, I was obviously going to be vi- much more cautious and dig a lot deeper, but I didn't realize that that first fall was seeping into everything I was doing. That, that, that emotional um, part of it was seeping into everything I was doing, that fear. So, you know, the, the time is ticking. Everybody's on their horses. Everybody's training their Mustangs. You know, I'm seeing all these posts of videos and photos, and I'm not even on my horse. I've had one ride and it, <laughs> it didn't go well. And I started, uh, you know, at this point, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to the competition and I'm starting to get nervous. And I thought, you know what, I've always wanted to go down and, and learn more from my friend, Sid Zacharias. And I thought, let's go. Like, I'm going to ask him. So I asked him, we got the horse down there and, um, he was the one that finally was able to help me like pinpoint that my confidence was shook. I couldn't even put words to it. I didn't, cause I hadn't really experienced that since maybe my first fall as a child, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I am like, I, my confidence is shook right now. Um, and so he helped me a whole lot, just see things differently, give me new tools, give me homework. I remember one day he, he had left me with a lot of things to do. He left um, for, over the weekend. And I think I spent, six to nine hours with that horse just doing like really light groundwork, but just trying to get into her mind more and, and also build my confidence with her. And I remember at the end of the nine hours, um, I looked at her and her nostrils had relaxed and shifted. Like they weren't pinched even anymore. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I think I've made a breakthrough with her. You know, (laughs) I might be getting somewhere. Yeah. And so anyways, you know, we go through and it's time to get on her the second time. And I remember, I remember feeling that they were going to tell me, all right, go get your helmet. It was his brother, Zeke actually was there. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to melt into the wall right now and hope that they don't say that to me. Or like, <laughs> just disappear. You know, yeah. I just kind of like melted into the wall and I was like already thinking of like, well, it's late, you know, we'll just do it another day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember Zeke looked at me and he's like, all right, just go grab your helmet. And I was like, and I, and I was really, um, kind of like Ariana, like, I can't believe that you're, that you're acting like this or doing this. Anyways, I got up on her finally. And I looked at my hand and it was shaking and I don't ever, I've never had my hand shake getting on a horse ever. So that was huge. Like I look at my hand and I'm like, Ooh, like I'm really, really like going through this right now, you know? Yeah. And, um, like the way that those boys like Sid and Zeke and Jacqueline, um, Sid's wife, that they were there for me and supported me through that and helped me get over that hump. I mean, I'll never forget that. That was, that was huge. And I ended up forming um, this bond with her that I could never have predicted. I mean, by the time we got to the competition, that horse was, would have done anything for me. Like she, I was blown away. You know, sometimes you get to competitions and the horses, they're not, um, you know, they're not always the same at home or they don't mm-hmm. yeah. feel she day by day, she tried harder and harder and harder for me. And I was blown away by her, blown away. And I just tried the whole weekend to just focus on her. I didn't watch anybody else. I didn't uh, ask any, you know, I was really trying to focus on just her. And um, it was just the best feeling in the world to be able to take her through the finals, you know, canter her down the center line. And I knew that horse was just trying her heart out for me, you know, and to look back and this is a horse that like really scared me, you know? Um, so, and now, now my Mustang is one of my greatest horses. I would put anybody on her. She's always the horse that I use for people, especially that are afraid or don't know how to ride. I put people that don't have a clue how to ride on her. And to go from where we started to where we are now, I mean, that to me, that's one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had with a horse. It's it almost gives me goosebumps as you describe it, right? Because it's it's a pursuit with with my horse as well. How do you how do you further develop that bond and that communication? And for me, I didn't feel, early on with this horse, I didn't feel that we were on the same page at all, right? And I didn't know nothing about horses, and now I know about a fraction of a percentage of, of horses, but 
it's just that that ever pursuit of can I communicate that much more clear? Can I pick up on what that horse is saying that much sooner or in greater detail? And I think it's incredible you talk about A getting thrown from that horse, right? And and how the fear didn't directly impact you at the time, right? Because when we're under stress and we're under pressure and we're in kind of that fight or flight mode, right? There's oftentimes emotions that we don't deal with. We have to suppress them for the purposes of surviving, right? Yeah. But we never necessarily, I can't say never, that's an absolute statement. Um, oftentimes, we very rarely revisit those emotions at a rate that we, which we can manage, right? And this has been my experience, uh, especially working with the law enforcement military crowd, is that, I mean, when you're when you're trained to suppress stress because you're dealing with a life or death circumstance or situation, right? And this is scalable to anybody's experience. It doesn't have to be kicking in a door overseas in the middle of war to create that level of stress, right? Some people, the stress of getting up and taking on the day is enough to get them to shudder, right? But we get in this pattern of suppressing emotion for the sake of survival. Well, eventually that emotion is going to well up and eventually that emotion needs to be dealt with. And sometimes that manifestation is not a healthy presentation. It comes in the form of alcoholism or depression or whatever it may be, right? Uh, There's any thousands of responses in that scenario, but for you to work through this process with this Mustang and maybe revisit some of those elements of fear, but you're doing it at a rate in which you could manage and get a result right? That's where the growth takes place. And if you think about it directly, working with a horse is that reflection. We want to put a little stress and a little pressure on that horse to get them to learn, to push them, to motivate them. We don't want to put so much stress and pressure on them that they retract into that fight, flight, or freeze response, right? Because nobody can learn in that environment. And finding that sweet spot with a horse, finding that sweet spot, even with humans, right? In your interactions with people or or maybe within yourself uh, is very, very challenging. But I think... And that's been my passion in this is trying to teach people that it's okay to get things wrong and it's okay to not be right and it's okay to not have the answer and it's okay to not be perfect. But if you chase that pursuit of a better understanding, a better version of yourself, a better version of your horse, that's where the success lies. Absolutely. Yeah. And for, for, you know, for a long time, I, I pursued, um, with myself trying to, you know, work with coaches, mentors, therapists to work on my own self, like just to let go of old, old patterns, old stored energy or old um, ways, old thoughts. And, um, you know, it unfolds as it unfolds, but I think um, I've always had that feeling that I want to commit to myself getting better, like just completely to the side of horses. So, um, and sometimes it's not, it's, well, I don't mean sometimes, it's often not easy at all, you know, um, but the reward of shedding all of that, shedding all of those layers, I think is so worth it, but you don't always see it in the exact moment. It's kind of like later you realize, wow, I coped with that a lot better, or, you know, I was able to not place emotion on that and, and stay really calm, cool, collected, yes. grounded. Um, yes. Also being able to like, you know, one thing I think, that's helped me a lot through my own personal development is um, just when interacting with people and also horses actually interestingly, but to, to see and hear behind the words that they're saying so that you can have empathy for them. Like, you know, the reason why this horse is um, pushing into me or nibbling or whatever it is, or the reason why this person is sounding um, annoyed or whatever, but let's, Let's just sink right behind that as we're listening to them and try and hear why why are they why is it manifesting in this way and that kind of takes the edge off of a lot of um, a lot of the external things that we see you know but so but that 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 kind of only I think comes with doing it with yourself like why am I being like this or why am I doing yeah, this pattern yeah. well there's a reason okay let's get to the core and then I think you can see it in other humans and other horses too. yeah and I think that I tell people all the time the hardest step is the first one in ownership right. Uh, it is not easy to look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself with conviction that, you know what, I'm probably the problem Yeah. in any of it, right? It's never right, easy. Right. But no. once you once you can 
have that level of self-awareness, right? And you can have that level of ownership of your actions and emotions and do so from a place of humility um, and kindness. That's where, that's where the growth really takes place. And that's where the tide turned for me, right? And for example, right? If, if somebody lashed out at me, at first I would think, God, like, why me? What are you treating me like this for, right? Why am I the victim in this? But then when you really start to understand people or have that pursuit of education and understanding people, I would ask myself in that same exact situation, trying to be empathetic, well, I wonder what that person went through to have that kind of response today. Because nothing that I did elicited that response, right? And once you start right. to have kind of that compassion or or empathy of, of where people are coming from or where your horse is coming from or your horse's view of you, uh, yeah. then you can really start to, to, then you can really start to mash the gas pedal of progress and look at things from an ob- objective standpoint. And like you talked about, I think the greatest part about that is not getting emotionally wrapped up because so many times I used to get frustrated and riding the horse. Well, why isn't the horse doing this? Or why isn't the horse doing that? And now it's, okay, what can I do to better convey this message so we get to where we're going? Right. Absolutely. I think, yeah, what you were saying, you know, and sometimes, you know, someone's talking to you and it can sound one way, but like all they really want is to be seen and heard, you know, same with the yes. horses. And so, yes. so, so then what I say back or what I do back is whatever I can do to acknowledge that person. Yeah. And then once sometimes, yeah. sometimes I've been noticing once you do that feeds them on some level and, and it, that feed that helps them. And then you can kind of get to the, you can help take that edge off, but it's very, very interesting, um, you know, very interesting thing to notice and be aware of. It's hard to do. And, and, you know, uh, uh, the escalation technique amongst humans, right? If somebody's, if somebody's having that bad day and let's just say they're going off on you, right. And then you start firing back and we start this two way street of war per se, you very rarely get anywhere in progress, but along those lines of, of people wanting to be heard, Sometimes people just need to vent, right? And it's not, they, they might be physically expressing anger or frustration or they're less than pleasant in their presentation, right? But sometimes it's just them. They need to get stuff off of their chest. And unfortunately, you just happen to be the target of it. I know, yeah. But when you let those people vent, right? And there's a parallels with the horses here, right? When you let those people vent and you let them get all that up and out of them, right? then they get to a place where they're willing to learn or they're willing to listen. And that's really what we're trying to get to in, in our human relationships and our horse relationships, because fighting fire with fire never works, right? You got to take the wind out of the sails. And sometimes they need to take their own wind out of their sails to get to a point where you can effectively communicate on a two way street. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way you um, worded that, you know, and also noticing when we do that too. Yeah. I've been guilty of it. A thousand times I know, over. <laughs> yeah. And just trying to always, like, I kind of always try and just um, make sure I'm speaking from my heart uh, to your heart, you know, yeah. or to the horse's heart and yeah. kind of bypass everything else. It's, yeah. But it's it's something we all, yeah, for sure work on. It's crazy how communication is so fundamental, right? We're all born and, and we have a level of communication, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. And, you know, we just pick up on it and obviously we learn through education and life experience, but sometimes this communication thing, even when you get down to the finite details, it's pretty difficult to become effective at it. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, always learning. Yeah. Even, yeah. even, uh, I did a clinic this past weekend and felt like I even learned even more about how to connect, talk to people, explain things Yeah. also with yeah. the horses. Like, um, so I just absorbing as I go along the journey, you know. And I've always tried to bridge the gap. I, I tell people I try to bridge the gap between perception and re- reception, right? I may perceive a situation or perceive a communication in one regard, but if the receiver of that message is not receiving it with the same context, yeah. uh, there's something, there, there's some kind of breakdown there, right? And I cannot control necessarily the way somebody receives a message, but I can control the way I I perceive or deliver it. So right. it's it's a coming upon me to make the read. I'm not getting the desired response. And well, now I need to make the change in order to elicit or motivate the desired response. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think we have a nice, uh, you know, way to do that because we're working with horses and people mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. you know, so we're always, yeah. always getting live practice. Yeah. That constant state of reflection. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. if you're not, you're probably just beating your head against the wall. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But every day, every day there's small moments when you can like notice I, yeah. I could, I could have said that better. I could have connected exactly. that person better. I could have acknowledged that horse better or something, but there's a lot of uh, small moments. It doesn't even have to be like, um, you know, in the form of a clinic or, yeah. or lesson or yeah. it could just be in everyday conversations, you know, even checking out at the grocery store, talking to the person. You yeah. Know, and you got to take it from there. the context of opportunity, right. And not, not failure because I used to often look at failure like that or, or if I didn't get the desired response, it was a failure versus I didn't get the desired response. Now it's an opportunity to learn. Right, right, right. And sometimes, yeah, you got to take a step back and reflect on it before you uh, come back to it. But I think this is all like very, very true and very real for everybody is everyone that's that's listening. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk or I want to spend some time in, we kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the show. You talked about you've been working on an online course for nearly 18 months now. Um, let's talk about that process, right? Because we've talked about kind of legacy throughout our conversation. We've talked about communication. We've talked about perception. This project has been kind of the culmination of the works of all those experiences. And now you are trying to put it in a digestible format for the consumer and keeping it as true and as honest to the process as possible. So let's kind of start with... You know, where did this come from as far as the formation of the project? And then what was your growth and what was the changes that you had to make in your travel through producing it? Right. So um, I just started to think, you know, and we kind of talked about this earlier on. There's so many things and moments that happen when no one's watching that I really wanted to find a way to share it with people. Um, You know, you you have a horse, you're working with it. All of a sudden, the horse makes a huge breakthrough. And there's no one there to really see it. And I can't really take that moment, that snapshot of that moment and share it with everybody. So I thought, well, I need to get a camera. I need to get um, a way to film, a way to share all these moments. And so I thought, you know, initially, well, I'll just make um, like a 15 video groundwork course and um, I'll just share that with people. And I was really excited about it. And I went through and, you know, we were often filming on literally 25 degree days. Um, and it, it turned out like pretty good. You know, I got my videos, but then I was like, you know, I just don't feel good about this. There's something that's not right about this. Uh, not that the content was bad or anything, but it just didn't feel like I was delivering what I really wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was more, but I didn't really know what that more was. So I remember uh, just walking through the grocery store. I was talking to my mom on the phone and, and uh, she was like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that you do that you don't think about and that's what you need to address. Yeah. Yeah. And like the way that you are able to relax, the way that you're able to stay calm, the way that you're able to stay focused, all those things are she was like saying to me all those things Ariana, you need to find way to put words to that. So I went back and I started to really think um what do I do as a human around horses when I'm working with them? that helps the technique be successful, whatever technique you're using. And so it took me a while to really brainstorm. And, you know, I um, ended up talking to, um, uh, I was at an expo and I had talked with uh, Jonathan Field for a little bit, just asking him some questions and and advice and stuff like that. And he had uh, told me, he said, I think you have first author syndrome because, uh, you know, you just keep on to go and write more and, and produce more videos and more videos. And so, Anyways, it went from 15 videos to 100 videos. And um, so it blew up, you know, pretty big and became this huge project. And I didn't know. That is a ton of work. Yeah. I didn't know how to um, edit videos on the professional video editing software. I didn't know how, I didn't know where they were going to go up, what platform I was going to use. How was I going to get these videos to people? So learning the whole technology side, learning the filming side, and then working on coming up with the best way to deliver content and get content to people took a long time, a long, long time. And I started to feel kind of bad because I thought, wow, I'm holding all these videos on my computer, but I don't really have them out yet to people. 
so we're just about getting to the point where there everything's ready to go. It just kind of needs to get patched up on the website. But I feel um, much better now that I have let it develop and grow. And I didn't release anything early because I really, really, really genuinely want to help people. And I want them to have success with their horse and to uh, tap into their own dream and their own goal. And so what I have created, you know, and there might be portions of the course that someone doesn't find applicable to them, or there might be other parts that are, that speak more to them, but it's a, now I feel like I've really, um, given, given people much more to help them instead of limiting it to just 15 videos. So I think it's going to take its own course once I get it. I'm, saying course again twice, but I think it's going to flow, <laughs> flow into something else. It'll develop. I'll say that it'll develop into something else. I think pretty soon once yeah, it's out there, yeah. but it's a nice place to start. But I think that the difficulty with it was that I wanted it to be useful and helpful to people. And, um, I already have a very hard time marketing myself. Um, you know, I, I never, I always just went with word of mouth. I never put up videos. I never used a Facebook page. I never thought about doing any of that. Um, so it's, it's not natural for me to make a video and like want to share it right away. But, uh, this is a, I, so I really wanted it to be helpful. I didn't want to make a product that would just generate revenue. I wanted it to be, yes, it's going to generate revenue, but it has to help people. Um, you know, because thinking about the fact that I can't physically be there. So what can I give you on a video or multiple or a hundred videos that will help you be successful without me physically there. Um, so that's kind of the, the turn the, the, the course took, but I learned a whole lot about how to um, do the work behind the curtain to make that happen. And I think if I were to go back and do it again, it would, it would not take me as long, but it turned into a month and a half. You know, everyone's asking me, Oh, is it ready? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. It's not, <laughs> it's not ready. Um, you know, I'm on Apple support every single day talking to everybody. I mean, I'm probably their favorite um, customer you now. Yeah, the, the direct all, line in. Oh, I've, I've, I've had so many, uh, they, I'm always embarrassed when they like, Oh, can I have your name and look you up? I'm like, yep, you're going to see about Yeah, I called 50 15 minutes time. ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I just called in and spoke to someone, but no, but I, I want something that, uh, I'm proud to deliver. And I already know that my, the way that I'm doing things are, are still evolving and they're evolving currently. And so I'm going to want to update everything, you know, as, as things evolve, but that's kind of the, the gist of what happened with that uh, course and what turn it took, but I'm very happy that I took the time to, to step back and make it better, you know? And what's most commendable in this, and I had a conversation two days ago with a good friend of mine about it, is that there's, there's quite a few people in the horse industry that just, they want to be that headline, right? They want to be that billboard. They want the fame. They want the notoriety. And when you sit down with some of those folks and really start to hash out either horsemanship or life, uh, you can see right through it, right? That yeah. that they're doing this in vain. And the individuals, such as yourself, I can hear the passion and I can hear the genuine interest in the human being in your voice. The individuals such as yourself that are doing it with the right intention and that intention burns deep. That's where the success is going to lie. And and you will have success at a far greater rate for a far longer period of time than the next person that just wants to be the next hottest fad. And yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible to hear your passion in helping the human being because it's it's something that we share, right? I just want – I've been through some stuff in my life and the horses sought me out of it. And I just want to help the next individual maybe get there a little bit faster than I did, or maybe with a few less bumps and bruises. And maybe they can take their relationship a little bit further and they can go on and teach somebody their ways. And it's, it's that ripple effect that we've discussed many times on the show previously. And now with the advent of the internet and social media, and I too, uh, we've talked a little bit, I'm behind the curve quite a bit, but it's not that it's a, a skill that can't be learned. Uh, with the advent of internet, your availability and your reach now is just absolutely incredible. And it's things that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we might not have been able to do. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell you this little, this little story that happened uh, actually recently that kind of, you know, I, I think I was surprised by the reaction I had because I'll just tell it to you right now. So I went to do a clinic this past weekend, you know, and I went from Kentucky to Virginia 
And, you know, long drive, you get there, you're tired, you know, you have often when I do travel that long, I have a headache by the end of the day and everything. And I'm moving into, they had a little cottage on the, on the farm there that, that I was going to stay at. And I was moving all my stuff in and the um, thoroughbred farm manager was talking to me and um, she had stopped me in the doorway kind of, and it was dark, you know, the lights weren't even on. And she was just talking to me. I mean, we must've talked for about an hour and she was just saying like how excited she was that I was there. And um, I mean, it was a long conversation. And then she said to me, she's like, um, I also just want to let you know, because I, I trained a yearling thoroughbred filly for them that then went on and got sold and went on to another, her new owners got started under saddle and went, is in training for, for racing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so in the doorway, she said, I just want to let you know that, um, that filly that you started, um, you know, she went down to Florida, she got sold and went down there. And I, I, I never, I never, once I, once I parted with the Philly, once she went on to get sold, I never heard about her, saw her again. So she said, I just want to let you know that they, um, called us and said, um, that she was doing so well, that she, they use her to pony other horses, that, that she's just thriving. She never said a word when they started her under saddle. And I'm not at all saying this about myself, like, but I want, the point I'm making is in that moment, I got goosebumps and I, my eyes filled with tears, but she couldn't see it because it was dark. <laughs> so <laughs> The cover of darkness. She, and, yeah. And I thought, oh my God, because I'm a very sensitive person in the sense that I feel things very strongly. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want her to think like, you know, I'm just going to start bawling, crying here in the doorway. You know, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm tired. So, you know, I don't want her to think that I'm uh, like that, but I really, I got goosebumps and I'm eyes filled with tears because I thought, what happened with that Philly has now had some other ripple effect beyond me. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and that's what I love about this. Um, and, and that reminded me about why I'm even pursuing this. So I think that moment that happened recently was really amazing because it, I, w- I think I was surprised how much emotion I felt for the fact that this horse did well afterwards there's a load of things I could have done even better with this horse. You know, it's not to say that what was done was like the best method or anything like that, but the hearing that's and other people, other humans have had um, reaped benefits or, or um, found this horse to be good or better for them that they themselves are then shaping into what they want her to do. Yeah. I mean, that really, that really touched me in yeah. the moment. And um, yeah, I, w- I would say I was, preventing myself from letting tears stream down my face. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the, that's the greatest part in this and, and was definitely a driving force of the show. Is it for me personally, in, in my experience of horsemanship, I fixed a lot of things that I needed to fix that I was too scared to fix myself, right? The horse kind of showed me the way. And then as I started to travel and, and pursue this education, you talk to so many people who have unique stories in the sense that it's their own life experience and their own circumstances, but the result is the same. They're better as a way of the horse. And that's what drove this podcast to be is it never in a million years did I think that I would have the guest lineup that I have, that I would have these conversations with people, right? You and I know each other the hour and a half that we've been on a phone together, but we've walked parallel journeys and, and if we can help get these messages and these testimonies out to people at a, at a rate that increases that ripple effect, that increases that reach, you know? Uh, yeah. And I told, I told my wife when I first started this, if I could change one person's life as a result of this show, I would consider it a success. And I think it was the second or third show. I launched three in the opening weekend. And by the time that second or third show had, had launched, um, I was already starting to get messages. Oh man, this story changed my life or it changed the way I thought about this, or I've been dealing with this for years. And, and now I've summed up enough courage to do it. It's like, that's where the success lies for me is helping an individual. Oh, yeah. If you could take one step farther in life than I, I wouldn't be more proud, right? I would cheer you on for that one step rather than where a lot of people get pissed. Cause man, they beat me, right? They, they, they're more successful than I like, no, we should support each other in our endeavors. We should support each other in our growth. And, and hopefully this show is able to convey that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, there was, uh, there was another moment that, um, I just thought I'd share that kind of speaks to that about, um, being able to touch people, you know, mm-hmm. there was a, this was at another 
um, clinic. But anyways, I had done a full day of a clinic and I was really, really, really tired at the end of the day. And, um, I had a private lesson with someone and, um, I remember that the, the lesson, when I walked in, the horse was, um, you know, kind of pushing, pushing the lady off of her feet and things like that. And, um, I remember thinking, okay. And I, I remember saying to my, to God or, or, you know, whatever, whatever everyone believes in, but I remember saying, give me the right words to say and the right things to do that will help this all be successful for this person, for yeah. this woman. Yeah. And, I'm telling you, like, I, I just let it flow out of me. I didn't plan. I didn't make a structure. I just let it flow. By the end, she, you know, she was just beaming, smiling at me. And I never, again, you know, I was like, all right, don't fall apart, Ariana. <laughs> and yeah. I went yeah. and I got in the car. I got in the car. And, um, and I think what amazed me is how exhausted I was from the full day of work I had, but how somehow some energy pulled up. And I had like the best lesson ever, you know, with this woman yeah. and I got in the car and I called my friend. I was like, hit, I was like, I, I was crying. I was like, I think I found out why I'm doing this. Like and she was like, you know, I just told her, I said, because that was amazing. That lesson. Yeah. And it was so such a simple lesson, but the fact that it, that I feel so touched by having helped her, you know, I was like, I think I found it, you know? And she's like, that's, that's great. Arana, you know, but that, that was another moment that, that I felt um, like I was able to help someone and touch someone in a way that was what a blessing powerful. because how, how many people go through life and they don't know what their it is, right? Yeah, they don't I know why I'm they're doing it, it but, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's life for yeah. the rest of your days on earth. You'll be redefining what your, your right. purpose and your mission is. Right. But so many people go through life and they don't even get to experience that moment of awareness of like, this is it. This is why I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. And I think it's like, for me, it's the moments when I, my eyes get tears, I get goosebumps. Yeah. It's like, right. Pay, pay attention, pay yeah. attention to what's causing that, you know, yeah, and that's fire burning inside. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, we have definitely covered some ground in this episode and it's been great getting to know you on a deeper level. Um, typically yeah, as we wrap every episode, I, I, I asked a legacy type question, but in in the mission of rebranding the purpose and placing more focus on freedom, I'm going to kind of rephrase the question for you. So in your okay. life experience, what is a circumstance and or limiting belief that you have had to overcome that has allowed you more freedom? What can you share with people that helped you place more freedom in your life in that regard of circumstance? Um, I think for me, being able to set any fear I have aside and uh, try and live from a place of what my heart wants instead of what my fear is going to create for me. If I live from a place of fear, then my life will be one way. But if I constantly, constantly revisit what does my heart want? What do I want when I, if I could do anything, anything and not make a dime, and not maybe need to make it any money, what would it be? That's what my heart wants. That's what I have to do. So, but if it, you know, you put fear in place and it very much limits you. And I'm talking about myself here. It very much limits me. Um, you know, there's still things I'm working on fear wise. Um, one of them is airplanes. Um, anyone that knows me well knows that I have a hard time getting in an airplane, but we even talked about wild heart and my Mustang, but the biggest limiting belief is that um, I'm scared. If I have to put it in words, I'm scared. Yeah. You know, that would yeah. be the belief or the limiting belief. And then taking that I'm scared into um, I'm safe and I'm going to follow my heart, you know, that turning that those words into that. So it's kind of a bit broader. It's not very specific, but it's definitely a theme for me myself is fear aside, follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart. New doors will open if you follow your heart and you don't follow that fear. That's incredible. Um, it's a challenge though. It is a challenge, right? Very much. To, yeah, very to much look so. and have that honest perspective of, I mean, fear controls us more than I think we, we even understand. And it is scary to follow your heart, right? Because how many times I think about it in my life where my heart's told me to go into a direction, but there's a thousand and one fearful responses that I have, uh, you know, preventing it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're totally right. Like I don't recognize sometimes that fear is holding me back, you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be in the form of like, I don't want to go, yeah. you know, it can be in the form of like, you know, even smaller, like I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to reach out to this person. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to read this book or read this article or whatever it is. It can be so small. And I think you're very right that it can be so small and slight that we don't notice it, but kind of trying to always just, I think the best way, at least for me is check in. What does my heart really want to do? What feels right to my gut? And I'm very much someone that works from my gut feeling. um, But what does my heart and gut feel is right, feel is the right thing to do. And that's what I have to do. And just kind of let the, the other part of my mind, just put it in the back burner and let's just see what happens if I follow my heart. That's incredible. Well, Ariana, thank you very much for being a guest here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Please, please, please keep us in the loop with the launch of this online course and your website. We'd love to share and help support your endeavors best we can. Thank you very, very much for having me as well. I really enjoyed talking with you. Yes, ma'am. Well, have a good one. We'll talk to you down the road. Okay. Thank you. Hey, thanks for riding along with another episode of Let Freedom Reign podcast and being part of our freedom family. If you want to provide greater support of this show, visit patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Let Freedom Reign podcast. And Reign is spelled R-E-I-N. There you can provide a donation and it costs less than the fancy cup of coffee you're probably holding to help us produce free weekly content. For collaborations, to book us as a guest for your next event, or to make guest recommendations, email us at info.lfrpodcast at gmail.com. For the most up-to-date information on Let Freedom Reign, visit our Facebook and Instagram page at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Additionally, you can find us on Twitter at Let Freedom Reign underscore. We cannot thank you enough for being our most loyal listeners, and we'll see you on the next one.